glorious riches of the promises of God. I want to begin by sharing a reminder from the Apostle Peter to me and to you and to every other believer just like us. And you don't have to turn there yet. But in 2 Peter in the first chapter, beginning in verse 2, he's writing to a church just like Bethel. And that old apostle Peter says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things, that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him, Jesus, who called us by glory and virtue. Here it comes. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, that through these great and precious promises, you may be the partakers of the divine nature. Now, as I understand what Peter was just saying, if I'm going to be like Jesus, if I'm going to be a partaker of the divine nature, the first thing i got to do is be a partaker of the promises of God. Amen? So today I challenge you, and I'm going to be sharing with you Many, many promises of God that you need to be partaking of. But before I do, I want to share a story with you uh, about Pastor Ray Stedman, who told this story of some American soldiers who were overseas in Korea. While stationed there, the, these American soldiers had rented a house, and they hired this local Korean boy to cook and to clean the house for them while they were there. These soldiers, though, were a bunch of practical jokers. They loved to play jokes on one another, and they often took advantage of this poor Korean houseboy. They'd smear Vaseline on the stove handle so when he turned on the oven, his hands would get all greasy. They would put little water buckets on the ledge above the door so when he walked through the door, the bucket would empty right on top of his head and he'd get soaked. One night, they even nailed his shoes to the floor. Can you imagine trying to get out of bed, stepping into your flip-flops and kind of not able to go nowhere? Amen? And day after relentless day, this little fellow took their practical jokes Without saying a word. No blame. No tantrums. No back talk. No self-pity. Finally, those soldiers started to feel guilty about what they were doing to him. They started feeling guilty and they sat that young Korean boy down and they looked at him and they said, We know these pranks ain't funny no more. And we want you to know, we are sorry. We are never going to take advantage of you in this way ever again. And that little Korean boy put a big old smile on his face and, and he said, no more sticky on oven? Nope. 
your door? They said, no. No more shoes nailed to floor? No, never again. Okay, the boy smiled. No more spit in soup. No one likes to be used. Can I get an amen? amen? No one is thrilled with the prospect of somebody continually taking advantage of us. But I wonder, do we ever take advantage of God? If you would... Turn with me in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. That's on page 589 in the Bibles in front of you. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And I want to share with you about taking advantage of God, but in a slightly different light. Okay? Because I'm going to tell you today that God wants you to take advantage of him. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And I'm going to begin... In the second chapter, in verse 22, where Solomon, the king of God's people, the king of all Israel, and the wisest man that the Bible says has ever lived, writes this, beginning in verse 22, For what has man for all his labor, and for the striving of his heart with which he has toiled under the sun? For all his days are sorrowful and his work burdensome. Even in the night his heart takes no rest. This is also vanity or uselessness. Verse 24 is where I want to draw your attention. Nothing is better, Solomon says, for a man that he should eat and drink and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor this also I saw, this is important, was from the hand of God. Now scoot on down to chapter 3, and let's begin reading in verse 9. Solomon says, What profit has the worker from that in which he labors? I have seen the God-given task with which the sons of man are to be preoccupied, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts. Except that no one can find out the work that God does from its beginning to its end. I know that, here he goes again, nothing is better for them to, than to rejoice and to do good in their lives, and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all of his labor. Here it comes. It is a gift from God. Now let's go on down to chapter 5 and verse 18. Solomon says, see, here is what I have seen. It is good and fitting for one to eat and to drink and to enjoy the good of all of his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life which God gives him for it is his heritage 
As for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him the power to eat of it, to receive his heritage and to rejoice in his labor. Here we go again. For this is a gift of God. I had to look at some of that verbiage and some of those words in another translation. And so I read it in the New Living Translation, which is a little bit more in our vernacular and the way that we talk. And it kind of goes like this. Solomon said, I decided there ain't nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in what you're working at. And then I realized that this pleasure comes from the hand of God. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor because it's a gift of God. Here's what I've noticed that is good, that it is good for people to eat well and drink and to enjoy the work that he chooses, for this is his reward. And it's a very good thing that if a man has received wealth from the Lord and the good health to enjoy it, that we are to enjoy our work and accept our lot in life. Indeed, it is a gift from God. A gift from God. Do you take advantage of the gifts of God? I read about a little boy who was helping his father clear a lot. And the little boy came upon this, this huge stone. And he bent down to try to move that stone. And man, that joker would not budge. He could not move that stone. And so the dad said, well, son, uh, have you used all your strength? And he said, yes, sir, I have. And he said, no, you haven't. Because not one time did you ask me to help you move it. You see, none of us use all our strength. None of us take advantage of all of our means. None of us live up to all our potential until the time that you call upon God. Can you believe it? That God actually wants us to take advantage of him? Now, most of the time when we talk about taking advantage of someone, we talk about it in the negative sense. That you're taking advantage of someone without gratefulness or without thankfulness. But that's not necessarily the case with the Lord. God offers us as his children many advantages. The problem is, is that many of his children don't take advantage of the advantages. Amen? And that's what I want to talk to you about today. And if you shop around, you won't find a better deal anywhere than the deal I'm going to offer you today. So why not take advantage of the promises of God? Today, I want to share with you 10 promises of God. You roll your eyes and you say, oh my heavens, we ain't getting out of here until 2. Amen. But these are going to go so quick, you're going to love it. 10 promises of God that you, as a child of his, should take advantage of. Number one, if somebody promised you a home free and clear, would you take it? 
Good deal. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back again and receive you to myself so that where I am, there you may also be. A home free and clear. Now, it is beyond me, beyond the rational thinking person that that person would not take advantage of the free gift of salvation that is offered to us in Jesus Christ. But in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 25, John the Apostle writes, This is the promise. Here it comes. This is the promise that he has promised us eternal life. How about that? The same John wrote in his gospel in 11 and verse 25, Jesus said, He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. That's a promise, friend. He shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Whenever you hear that word shall, your little spiritual antenna ought to go up because you know that's a promise of God. But let me ask you this. If you could erase every single mistake you have ever made in your life, would you do it? Well, Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and said, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Behold, old things have passed away. Everything has become... No, you can have every mistake you've ever made erased. Now, let me ask you this. If we had a phone right here on this table, and you could come and get on this phone, and you could talk directly to God, would you use it? Would you use it? Well, listen to what God said in Jeremiah 33.3. He said, call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you don't know. The prophet Isaiah said, then you shall call. Amen? Call, and the Lord will answer. He's not like Brother Bill. If I don't recognize your number, I ain't answering. Amen? So make sure I've got you in my contacts, praise God. Amen? But the Lord ain't like Brother Bill. You call, he answers. And you shall cry out. And the Lord will say, here I am. Here I am. So why don't we as his children take advantage of the privileges of prayer? All right. If you are carrying... A huge bag of cement, and I know what you're thinking. Why in heaven's name would I be carrying a bag of cement? Amen. Say you're carrying something really, really heavy. And a strong man came up to you, and he offered to take that burden from you, to help you carry your burdens. Would you take advantage of that strong man? Amen, you would. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 55, 22. He said, cast your burdens upon the Lord. 
and he shall sustain you, for he will never permit the righteous to be moved. Now, many times I've told you right in this very building that there are born-again Christians, and every one of them, every one of them has been indwelled with the Holy Spirit of God. If you're born again, you can't help it. The Holy Spirit is in there. However, I've also told you not every believer, not every born-again child of God is filled with the Spirit of God. How many of you know there's a difference between having him in there and being filled with him? Well, if being filled with the powerful Spirit of God was as simple as flipping a switch, would you flip it? Say, yeah, I'd flip it. Well, listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 11. He said, if you then, being sinful, know how to get good gifts to your children, how much more shall, here comes the promise, shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask him? If you want to be filled, ask him. And the Bible says, he shall give it to you. Now, if somebody discovered a secret recipe that would give you everything you really need. Think about that for a second. Everything you really need, would you follow that recipe? Say, yeah, I'd follow it. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 37, 4, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, first of all, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, friend, what if you could be wiser than you are right now? Many of you need that. <laughs> But what if you could be wiser than you are right now? Would you wave that magic wand and become wiser? Say, yeah, I'd do it. Well, listen to what James said in chapter 1, verse 5. He said, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives liberally and without reproach, and it shall. What does shall mean? That's the promise of God. And it shall be given to him. What if there were somebody, this is a good one, what if there were somebody you could give your money to and always get more back? What if there was somebody you could give your money to knowing that you would always give more back, would you cash in on that huge investment? Say, yeah, I'd do it. Yeah. Well, listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, give, and it shall be given to you. Boy, that'll preach, won't it? Give, and it shall be given to you in good measure, pressed down, Shaking together and running over and over and over into your lap. For with the same measure you use it, it shall be measured back to you.
Now we know that getting is not the proper motive for giving. But for some reason, God has chosen in his infinite wisdom throughout scripture to teach us that we simply cannot outgive God. Maybe he just wants to see if we're willing to take advantage of his offer. Now, I'm a Star Wars fan, and like Miss Judy, um, I don't uh, take exception to it. I'm a Star Wars fan. I love Star Wars, and I remember in one episode of Star Wars, old Darth Vader, the evil, wicked Darth Vader, becomes convinced that he can cheat death. <coughs> he couldn't. But then I got to thinking about our world, the real world, and I wondered, do we ever try to cheat death? Well, I go to the gym about four times a week trying to cheat death, amen? There are pharmaceutical companies that make medicines to try to help you cheat death. There are organic food growers, farmers, that are trying to give you the highest quality food so that you can cheat death at least temporarily. But what if you really could? What if you really could cheat death? Would you do it? Say, yeah, I'd do it. Well, listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 51. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, now this is the promise of the Savior now. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. That's cheating death right there. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 49, 15, but God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Why don't we take advantage of all that God offers us? Oh, but friend, in many, many cases, we do take advantage of all of God's goodness. Paul wrote to the Roman church in chapter 6, verse 1, and here's what he said. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that the grace of God may abound to us? Certainly not, exclamation point, says Paul. How shall we who have died to sin live in it any longer? You see, many Christians take advantage, take advantage of the grace of God in the negative sense when we treat God's grace like permission to sin. I'm not pointing any fingers, but after a week long pointing the finger at myself, I feel 
obliged to point it at you, amen? Because we've all been there. We've all treated the grace of God and the gift of God in Christ like permission to sin. I'll just ask forgiveness later. You've heard it said that it's e easier to ask for forgiveness than it is permission. If you ask God for permission to sin, do you know what he's going to tell you? No! Certainly not! But if you ask God for forgiveness, what's he going to say? Certainly. But when we do that willfully, when we do that intentionally and deliberately, we're taking advantage of God in the negative sense. We take advantage of God. We take advantage of his forgiveness. We take advantage of the gift of Christ when we continue sinning willfully instead of choosing to do right. And it is a choice. Listen, friend. Jesus took our sins just like he had committed them. He took our sins just as if he was the one that committed them so that you and I could get the advantages. We just can't choose to live a life of sin. And crucify Jesus all over again. But that's what it's like, friend. When you willfully sin, thinking, oh, I'll just ask for forgiveness later. It's almost like you're crucifying Christ all over again. And some Christians routinely take advantage of Jesus in this way. But you know, even when Jesus ascended to heaven, when he left his disciples here, he left us with many advantages. He left us with the advantage of the Holy Spirit of God. We can still have God with us. He also formed the church for our advantage. I want to make something clear to you this morning. You should take advantage of your church. God wants you to take advantage of your church. Think about this church. This church has been blessed so much in so many ways for so many decades, while many churches are drying up and blowing away, my many others are canceling services and closing their doors. Bethel continues on. But I think that there is only one thing on a church that's harder than having nothing. 
And that is a church that has much, but its people don't take advantage of the church. What a shame to have such a great place to meet yet refuse to come. What a shame to have such a great facility but find any excuse you can not to come. No, friend, we must take advantage. How tragic it is to have empty pews. How tragic to have empty classrooms. How tragic to have a church in a community like ours but still have so many families that need our help. What a shame. What a shame to have the incredible opportunity to change the life of a child. To influence a young person. Yet not bring our children. Or ask our community's children to come. What a shame to have volunteers giving their heart and soul to change a child's life but not bring our kids. No, let's take advantage. Let's take advantage of what God has done in the church. You know, one we don't think about a lot is you and I have been afforded direct access to the throne of grace. Anytime you want, you can go to God with anything you want to talk to him about. Yet how many times do we find ourselves too busy to pray? He who has provided us these exceedingly great and precious promises. For some reason, we don't go to him and speak with him. I say, shame on me. Shame on me if I don't take advantage of God for all of the things he's promised me and all the ways that he's provided for me. Shame on me. Friend, there is so much for you and I to take advantage of. Including 
this decision time we're about to have. God offers people a life worth living. I can't speak for you, but I've been of a part of a life that wasn't worth living. But God offers us a life worth living with a new purpose and a new joy in life, an eternal life insurance policy with a retirement plan that is out of this world designed especially for you. And he made it so simple, even I can understand it. He said, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He said, if you confess with your mouth, you speak with your mouth that Jesus is Lord of your life, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. He said, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It just makes good sense, y'all, to come and take advantage of all God offers. But this decision time is not just about someone coming to Christ. Can you imagine a church like we talked about earlier? A church that actually wants you, that actually asks you, that actually allows you to become a member here, that we might have the privilege to come alongside you as fellow servants of the Lord. Won't you take the advantage? And finally, can you imagine an almighty God that is willing to forgive your past sins no matter how bad they are and allow you the opportunity to recommit your life to him and to his church, won't you take the opportunity? Won't you take advantage of that? Friend, this decision time is all about you. This decision time is all about you taking advantage of the promises of God. God, thank you for your exceedingly great and precious promises. Lord, thank you for loving us like you do. And for, Lord, protecting us and providing for us like you do. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that my friends here today,